Hi, my name is Gary Mine. And I'm Marilyn Stewart. And we're the hosts of the Answering the Call podcast. This is the podcast about people who are answering God's call. I'm excited to welcome Marilyn Stewart as our new co-host. If you've been listening to our podcast very long at all, you've heard her voice, heard her interview people. Uh, Joe is still around, still working with us behind the scenes, but uh, he's devoting more time to Jamie Dew's Talon Basin podcast, and you need to check that out if you haven't. I am glad to be here, and this is an exciting time for this podcast. In this episode, Gary talks with Jason Thomas about his new role as the African-American Church Mobilization Strategist at the International Mission Board, as well as his own call to ministry and missions. Jason is a longtime friend, and it was a, a real joy to hear about his important work at IMB. Um, he really just shares his heart for connecting churches of all ethnic backgrounds around the task of reaching the nations for Christ. So here's Jason. Well, I'm very excited to have Jason Thomas uh, on the podcast today. Jason uh, has done a lot of ministry in New Orleans. I've known him for years. He's a good friend. We're so excited about what he's doing at IMB. And so uh, we have been wanting to get Jason on the podcast for a while uh, because we feel like you should know Jason as well. Um, and so uh, thanks for coming on, Jason. Uh, hope everything's well with you. Yes, uh, everything is well. Um, I'm, you know, doing a lot of work um, from home. Uh, that's kind of like our thing as of lately. Um, but there's been a lot to be done here. So um, it's actually a, a good place because I know where everything is. Yeah. Yeah, we are we're um we're excited about everything that's going on at IMB. We see a lot of new initiatives, we see a lot of a lot of the fruits of, of your labor and the whole team there. So we're just really excited. Well, I wanted to uh let people uh get a chance to just know who you are, your background, where you're from, and really how God uh caught your attention and called you to ministry and and brought you to seminary. So, and then we'll move into your role in, at IMB. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, what do you need me to start? Start with just tell me where you're from, and then tell me where you went to college. Those 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 type of things, and then how you wound up at the seminary. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I actually am a Louisiana native, um, born and raised there all of my life. I'm from a small town of probably about eighteen hundred people called Clinton, Louisiana. And um, there I kind of grew up in church, uh, but not necessarily a family of ministers um, per se, just kind of like um, my, my grandfather was a deacon and, and, a, and he was a member of the choir. Um, and my mom was, um, as a child, was active, but not so much as an adult. Um, so we actually were what we would call um, um, those Christians that go um, very minimally when I was young. And so mm -hmm. I went on all holidays. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and of course, those times where you're doing like celebrations. Um, but um, actually, as a teen, I expressed more interest in, um, in faith and in my religion, in religion. And I actually uh, started going to Sunday school more often and learning more about who God is, um, like more experience about like just the story. 
And uh, I had a conversion story uh, in in probably about 12, 13 years old where I, I kind of um, had this moment of clarity of, of, of my sin, especially um, I, I kind of then was had a similar personality as I do for the zeal of Christ now, but it was for the world. <laughs> and so um, just um, just very kind of brash and um, uh, very much um, uh, very much worldly. Um, but I had this clear understanding of my sin. And, and, and as a result, that sin would send me to hell. And uh, I had this uh, this I, this crisis where I ne- I needed to um, get in a relationship with God. And so he could direct my life. Um, and so I um, got baptized at about uh, um, uh, confessed Christ as Savior, got baptized about 12, 13 years old. Um, and from then, um, it, it was like I was I was definitely comfortable saying I was a Christian. I was a member of a church. I could be active, but um, I've always feared being in a pulpit or doing any type of ministry where people were looking at me, <laughs> uh, if that makes sense. And so um, follow that. I went to college at Southeastern Louisiana University in Hammond, Louisiana, and I majored in communications. Um, and I always wanted to be a, um, um, a writer back then. And so um, I did write for my school paper. But uh, one of the things that I was really involved with in college was my, um, the college ministry campus outreach. And mm-hmm. there I learned to share my faith. I learned to have my a quiet time. And before, it's, uh, it's ironic. I went to church. Uh, I read God's word. And I marked up the Bible. I still have one of my oldest Bibles that has all of my markings of following sermons, but I didn't necessarily have like a relationship outside of the church where I, I studied on my own. Um, I cultivated a relationship with Christ on my own. That started in college. And that's actually where I, um, I sensed the call not to preach, but I sensed the call to, uh, to, to just basically teach, um, teach God's word in small group settings, um, you know, just uh, one-on-one with friends or peers. Uh, and we did a number of Bible studies uh, in in college where I would I would lead out and and before I knew terminology facilitator and because I always wanted to have an active participation within a Bible study and so we um, that was kind of like what our group with campus outreach had done and I was I was on the leadership there I participated in um, summer beach beach projects and that's kind of where I developed the um, the uh, the knowledge I've always known about missions. My church um, did support missions growing up, but I'd never considered the fact that um, you don't just you you can do more than just give. You could also yourself go, and it mm-hmm. just I never envisioned that I would be uh, um, from a, as a child uh, participating in mission as as a goer. Um, I'd always kind of see myself from the capacity of the of the sender. But college kind of broadened my horizons, um, and I participated in a number of of, of, of national trips. Boston, um, we we took a team from my college to Boston to work with church plants. Uh, we took a team from our college to work in Mexico uh, to kind of like you know paint houses and um, different things like in churches. And so that's kind of where my passion for uh for for local and international missions began. Um, and of course, I'd always um, seen the importance of of 
at that time, working with my peers and, and seeing them experience Christ in new ways. And so uh, I accepted a call to ministry uh, in college, graduated from college, uh, went with a, a leader to check out uh, seminaries. And then I backed out and went and uh, went to work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Um, uh-huh. And uh, there, same thing, um, enjoyed the life of a layman is what I would say. Um, but um, God was still pricking at my heart um, and he had put leaders in my life that didn't necessarily want me to to not pursue um, that something more in ministry. And they saw me kind of being stuck in sometimes. And so they encouraged me to, to, to look into seminary. Of course, um, one of the things that they, um, one of the promises they made that they have, have since I realized was their uh, strategy to get me out of the church. Um, just so I'd be able to, to, to go full, um, full force into seminary is that they helped me to connect with ministries in New Orleans. Um, I'm from Hammond. So um, they, they let me meet at the time, uh, the BCM director um, and the BCM prior to uh, Katrina was not um, was not in the same uh, you know direction as it was when I became a part of it. Um, but I met the BCM director. Uh, I met other leaders in the city and um, and I actually joined before um, making a commitment to go to seminary. I joined Franklin Avenue which is a church there that my um one of my mentors advised that I become a part of. Yeah, you picked a you picked a great place to to start there. <laughs> yeah, That's a great church. <laughs> well, so. that was my early days in New Orleans. Um, they were a, a great foundation for me. I was involved in their evangelism ministry. I was involved at the time in their singles ministry, and even though I was dating a, a wonderful young lady. Uh, um, who is now my wife, Gaynell, uh, I got involved in the singles ministry just so I'd be able to, to be involved in that evangelism and outreach that they did at the church. Yeah, that they, they do a great job. And uh, I'm sure that was formative uh, to just how you viewed ministry, how you viewed missions. Um, tell me, you know, so going to a place like New Orleans, which is urban, um, lots of, you know, lots of diversity in the city. Um, how did that help you expand your your view of 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 the nations and and help you develop a heart to reach other people? Well, um, it was definitely a um, it was a pivotal place for me to receive my training, especially because I didn't I, I didn't just go to seminary. Um, I, I joined a church. I had a job in the city. And so I was very, um, I was introduced to all of these elements all at once. And so uh, the actual international kind of flair of a metropolitan area like New Orleans, it, it brought me into contact with, um, with Hondurans, Guatemalans, Mexicans. Um, there was, there were, there are ministry times as I, if, as I recall, where I've connected with the, um, at one time Baptist the greater the Baptist uh, Association of Greater New Orleans, and then it turned into NOBA. I've I've done some ministry with them into the apartment complexes that were um, were just all Spanish speaking. Um, mm-hmm. With actually one of our guys who's an IMB missionary now in Portugal, he kind of led that ministry, Jonathan. Um, but also, I was involved in like uh, church planting 
and community ministry uh, in Mid-City with uh, Canal Street Church, which kind of put me directly in um, in an area where it was uh, a di- extremely diverse neighborhoods. You could walk one street, be African-Americans, another street, it'd be uh, Hispanics, another street, Anglo, um, close to the city park, all of the above, Africans. And so just the ministry exposure that I had in New Orleans put me front and center to the to the nations and gave me a global vision of, of the gospel. Yeah, it it uh, I got to know you when you started working here at the seminary uh, for for I guess probably about midway through your MDiv I, and uh, and we just I, I just saw that God was working in your life uh, in so many ways and and just uh, uh, just developing you into the type of minister that that, that uh, we hope every student will will come out of here. Um, like and and what I saw in you was you were out there doing the doing the ministry doing the the servanthood uh, in these different locations and so um, yeah I just uh, I commend you for that and and just seeing that was uh, that's the way you get the most out of a, a seminary experience and and uh, you had some great experiences. Um, I wanted you to just share you're now at IMB um, yes. we we told that in the intro but. Uh, uh, tell us uh, what you're doing, uh, your title, what your role is, and then I, I just really want, this is an important role, and I want you to just kind of give your vision and, and where you're headed with this. Yeah, so um, just right off, um, I will say that my introduction to the International Mission Board was, uh, of course, through seminary, um, and of course, my first, I guess my first paid um, like full-time paid job was working with the Baptist Collegiate Ministry and um, and specifically in historically black colleges and universities. And mm-hmm. so um, like just kind of liaisoning for my students to actually take intermission, uh, international mission trips was how I got connected to a lot of the friends, I, people I call friends, now colleagues. So my position is I'm the African-American church mobilization strategist. And I don't think you can say that three times fast. But um, and my role is to connect our African-American and black churches to the work of that IMB is involved in uh, and also to connect um, the um, the next generation uh, to to become future missionaries. And so um, we work with each of our affinities um, to make sure that we can have um African-Americans that understand the cultures and some of those affinities as well as how they can help. Um, and of course, right now, um, some of the things that we're doing is uh, um, my one of my roles was to make sure that I didn't necessarily leave out the story of um, of of missions work among African-Americans, because sometimes um, we get the impression that um, to be a missionary, uh, or the per- the person who is a missionary, they have to fit um, a specific uh, ethnicity. Um, and and honestly, I had a conversation with some collegiate ministers a couple of days ago, and they asked their students. And of course, I think this is uh, uh, influenced by uh, by some newer movies. But they said they've posed the question to students what they think a missionary is, and this is historically black colleges and. Um, one of the students automatically says colonizer. Oh. 
Yeah. And if we dig back into the stories of, of African-Americans that have gone on mission, many times they were unknown because they refused to, to partner with those who were going to colonize. Mm-hmm. And so they've, they became um, like members of the communities. And so they weren't counted as missionaries. They, they were a part of the communities that they went to. They gave themselves over to, um, you know, areas like Liberia. They gave themselves over to Nigeria. They gave themselves um, to the culture itself. And so um, their stories aren't always told because they didn't necessarily take the, the traditional missionary route by going from a mission-sending organization um, that was backed by several other things um, in, in this past. And so, so that was kind of first uh, on my agenda because of my upbringing and my background. I knew that there were African-American missionaries. I went to a church that was extremely missional and they had individuals who were involved in evangelism um, and, um, and community uh, ministry. And so, uh, yeah, that was kind of my 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 first and foremost. I want to unearth some of those people who were a part of at one point in time the, the foreign mission board. Now the international mission board. Uh, yeah, I want to. Sorry to uh-huh. interrupt. But oh no worries. Uh, tell me about tell me about some of those people because um, you've been uh, IMB has been producing this month uh, Black History Month has right. been bringing some of these stories to light and uh, just tell me a few uh, of these. Uh, individuals that that you're highlighting and IMB's highlighting. So um, I know we're highlighting uh, currently just from the series we're calling Heroes of the Faith. Um, we're fr- right off the um, bat. Um, we've connected with um, the National African American Fellowship that brought before the Southern Baptist Convention um, a motion that we would recognize George Lau church planning evangelism and mission Sunday as a Sunday we all celebrate together. And so IMB was, was pleased to kind of bring that um, the message of who George Lyle was and is um, and his legacy to the Southern Baptist convention. So we're right off the bat, we want to celebrate the life of George Lyle. And we've done that um, through, um, through videos and through resources that you can find on our website, imb.org um, slash heroes of faith. And there you'll hear from um, the past president and pastor of Colonial Baptist Church, Robert Anderson, where he kind of tells the story of who George Lyle is um, and his legacy um, for the Great Commission um, and the call of all Christians from all faiths to uh, fulfill that Great Commission. And of course, you'll hear from uh, Nate Bishop, who's who's one of our IMB trustees, but also a pastor of Forest Baptist Church. And they're bringing to um, to light the story of George Lyle. But there have been others in our 175 um, campaign. John Day, he was one of the earliest African-American missionaries with the Foreign Mission Board. Um, his life could be found on our website as well. And then one of the things we're doing is also not just um, looking at the past, but also our present. And so you'll see in the next coming weeks, um, one of our uh, um, missionary, former missionaries emeritus, uh, David Cornelius. David Cornelius is, um, and you never hear this from him, he's extremely humble. He is uh, responsible within this um, generation of recruiting a number of African-American missionaries that we have on the field today. Uh, he served for nine years 
in um, in Abu, Nigeria. And then uh, you'll see later on in his life, he 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 committed about 18 or so years with the International Mission Board in the position that I'm in currently as African-American church mobilizer. That That's great. And it, I was so excited to see uh, what you guys have done, the the uh, way you're telling their stories is compelling. Um, it's important. Um, it's important for us to, to, uh, to see how, just how big the work of God has been, um, in missions. We've only seen a slice of it. And so I just appreciate you guys for, for working on this and bringing these people, um, uh, to light and helping us to, uh, helping us to have a fuller picture of the mission endeavor that's being going on, because we don't want to have that impression that a missionary looks like this. If we're going to reach the nations, it's going to be people from all nations that, that, that go serve. And so um, I'm just so excited about this. Um, right. In prepping, you, you were telling me about uh, in prepping for this, you were telling me about the George Lyle scholarship. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that and, and how, uh, you guys hope this will uh, spark a next generation of these African-American missionaries. So, yeah, the, um, the George Lyle scholarship um, was actually brought about as an idea from the National African-American Fellowship. Um, of course, um, uh, at the IMB, since I got there, which is only about a year, um, there has been like just this thought of if we could bring together churches to, to build a fund um, to help to mobilize uh, African-American churches through mission trips, short-term vision trips, um, like that would kind of help um, to catapult this idea of, of, the, of, the, of what missions looks like in, in their context. And so, um, so this George Lyle scholarship is, is to fill that type of, uh, of dream. Um, one of the things that we, we are um, we're asking of, from our, all churches um, is that uh, we come together um, to um, to build this fund, to build this scholarship, um, and it's um, for prayer um, resources. Um, there are times where you might be able to um, to you know print out um, prayer cards for the African American um, uh, IMB missionaries that we currently have, or even to pray for specific nations um, that uh, that have you know, tremendous number of people of color there. Also for education, um, like getting some of the, um, these, the resources about George Lau, about um, uh, John Day. Um, and then you'll also see, uh, and I'm giving a lot of this away, but uh, some of our uh, uh, people that will, uh, are going to be featured, like one of our missionaries, she was the first appointed deaf missionary, Yvette Ahrens, and we'll hear her story uh, or see her story there. Um, and of course, we want to not just go to the past. We want to show you our present. And we'll we'll focus some on some present um, um, current missionaries as well. So the scholarship will help to uh, help churches that might not have um, the funds to take the short term mission trip. It'll allow them to um, to have um, a, a little bit of a seed for to take that trip, at least to take their pastors and have their pastors get a vision. And we're hoping that partnerships develop. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to, we're at a Southern Baptist convention. We're made up of, of, of 
all ethnicities, but we can partner together. Um, my role is the African-American church mobilization strategist, but um, there are a number of churches that aren't African-American that see this as important and they want to give to it and they want to partner with us for it. And that's uh, that's been uh, that's been amazing. It's been beautiful to see um, around. And, and a lot of our uh, missionaries are are wanting to see uh, the mission force look um, like that Revelation 7, 9, that uh, that is now our vision for the organization. So we want to see that uh, every nation, tongue, tribe um, is is on mission for God, even uh, having a global um a globalization emphasis that's happening with uh with our group and when i say globalization i'm not talking about the whole funny scary globalization but right. we have partners that are on the field that have become christians that have formed their own baptist associations and then we, we're going to help and have those guys on our our teams so that we can have a, a bigger uh impact on the kingdom that's all all great to hear um I'm excited about this scholarship and and uh, uh, putting pastors and, and key leaders in churches out in a vision trip, a short term trip, because that changes that just opens your eyes to whole world uh, of missions. And so I think that's a great move. And and I'm excited to hear that churches of all types are are supporting this and um, helping make this happen because uh, yeah, that, that's so key getting on the field, uh, getting out and, and seeing what's happening is so important. Yeah. And, and, and also like just in the, the Southern Baptist convention itself, there's a growing diversity of churches that are not as connected. So alongside of us, uh, alongside of our department, we're, we're all a part of the church mobilization department, but we have Hispanic church mobilizer, uh, Oscar Torrelero, and then we have an Asian uh, um, church mobilizer, Asian American church mobilizer, Ezra Bay, who Ezra um, basically just served um, in, in, uh, in Muslim China. And so he's excited as well to kind of bring all of these, uh, these churches and, and associations and fellowships together so that all of us will be able to, to, to mobilize um, for the kingdom. That's great. That's great. Well, if there's anything that connects uh, Southern Baptist, you know, the cooperative program, but, uh, but IMB, you know, we, we want to see, missions succeed and i couldn't be happier to hear about all these initiatives and and just uh the great work that's going on there so i just um, i'm excited about where you guys are headed and and what you're doing so keep yeah, it up and, keep yeah up thank you thank you and, and here's it was interesting if i even just recall uh my um my letter to the seminary um and, and and this is is something that most people won't even remember what they wrote when they wrote their letter to to enter seminary. But my letter with, that I wrote to enter seminary ended with the Revelation seven nine uh, passage. Oh, that, that's awesome! That, that was that was then. I didn't know what God was doing then. Uh, I had no idea uh, that I'd be working for for the mission board. Um, but I've always had a passion to see. Um, not just uh, my community, African-American community, which I love, which I'm proud of, which um, 
I am not at all, and you know me, <laughs> I'm not at all ashamed of, of our community and the, and the rich history in the black church and the rich history of, of, of local missions and um, in the support of global missions that often gets um, unnoticed. Um, because of course they, they don't, they've not had the same sort of wealth and, and, and influence that other churches have had. Um, but I don't think it's going to take one, uh, one congregation to reach the world. And so we eventually want to see Christ return and to, and for him to return every church of every ethnicity has to be activated to fulfill the great commission. Yeah, that's, that is amen. I, I'll give you an amen on that one. <laughs> so uh, it's been it's been great uh, to talk to you and uh, always enjoy every chance I get to, to touch base with you. Uh, I mean, full disclosure, Jason is someone who has taught me so much and is such a such a dear friend. And so it's 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 kind of uh, strange to interview somebody <laughs> that you're so close to in this way. But uh, I wanted to close out um, with a uh, just how can we pray for you? How can we pray for IMB uh, in, in your work? How can we just uh, even as we're giving and and hopefully most of us will get to start going again on short term trips. But how can we pray for you now? So I would say specifically um, that one that. I not get discouraged. Um, I am committing myself to a life of, of biblical diversity. Um, there's a lot of noise around us that kind of allows us to kind of put too much attention on one thing or another. Um, but I know us as an organization, we're committed to um, being people of the scripture, people of the book. And so a biblical idea of diversity did I not be sidetracked uh, and not necessarily be discouraged from the work ahead. But also um, that that God would bless the work, not just that I'm doing, but the prayers of those who came before me that wanted to see a um, a a a larger presence from the African-American uh, community. Um, you know, I'm reading, I, I go back and I read and I've met um, a, a lot of my predecessors and I go back and I read uh, Keith Jefferson. And one of his prayers was that he see uh, a larger number of African-Americans, pastors, leaders, members, um, like signing up to become a part of, of this great mission force. And so that's a prayer of mine as well, that we see more African-Americans from African-American church backgrounds who are, are, are proud of their culture, um, but, but also even more so, um, more proud that Christ himself has saved them and they want to commit that to the world. Those are the people who we want. We want those who love Jesus, who love the church, and who love serving. And so if we, that's my prayer, that all of those guys would, would sign up and come not those who want to be superstars or rock stars. You know me, I hate the spotlight. <laughs> um, I'd rather just be in the back room somewhere serving. And I think that's what it's going to take because a missionary themselves has to go into another culture and, and, and not be recognized, but yet make more, more of Christ than of themselves. And that's so that's great. my prayer. And that, you know, we would get 
um, the resources to be able to support a, a number of our African-American churches to to have a bigger vision um, in from being from a small town and a small community um, that is deeply impoverished. Um, a lot of the times you you don't necessarily know more is because you're uh, you you feel that everything in front of you is presently urgent. Mm-hmm. So there's the um, there's urgency to for survival. But I think God wants more than just survival. He wants to be able to help people thrive. And I think that's what the body is for and, and not just one local body. But, you know, we are a convention of churches. None of us agree on hardly uh, any of the things that are third and fourth issue. But all of us should agree that Jesus Christ and Lord is Lord and that we need to, to spread his gospel across all the nations. Well, that's uh, those are great uh, calls to prayer and great reminders, and and uh, I, for one, am going to commit to to pray for these things and and to pray for you as you uh, do this task. And uh, just before we go, um, <laughs> how's the weather? <laughs> you left well, us yes. the warm weather down here, and so <laughs> as a Louisiana native, I will say it's taken me a bit uh, of time to uh, get used to snow in my front yard. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we've had snow in Louisiana, but it's usually gone by the next day. That's right. And it's so, a uh, Yeah, the whole idea of, of being, you know, two to, two to four inches of snow is very new to me. Um, and so it's taking some adjustment. But praise God that last year during our quarantine, we didn't get any of that. So my first year at least w- was uh, was – like God was sovereign towards that. But now I think it's, uh, it's, this is the norm. Um, and you know, it's taking some adjustment and I miss Mardi Gras. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. There's uh, miss if you leave New Orleans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I miss King cakes. I miss Mardi Gras. <laughs> I miss crawfish. Yeah. So we, you know, moving up even to Richmond, which is not, you know, it's not like moving to Maine, but right. uh, you experience a lot of culture culture shocks, and so uh, you know, it's you're you're experiencing some of what the people that you guys are sending to the field are experiencing this culture shock. And so, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I figure whether, but but yeah, you hit on the real culture shock of the food. You know, you mit, you just can't take New Orleans food with you. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's so it, good. You know, I will say though, my wife uh, just recently. Again, some of the things that happens. My wife just recently made gumbo, and it was really good. And that's so good. we and we have friends that send us Louisiana boxes, and that's that's that we praise God for that. <laughs> that's good. Well, I'm gonna let you get back to your day, but I I'm so appreciative of you for joining us. We're uh, proud that you studied here. We're we're happy for what God's doing in your life, and and we will commit to to pray for you as you go forward. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks. Hey, it's Gary and Joe here again. Would you do us a favor? If you like this podcast, go to iTunes and leave us a review. This would mean the world to us. Thanks.